thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Wittowson, and today joined by a guest to talk MLB draft. And it's a draft that doesn't really get discussed as much as basketball or the NFL. And I'm kind of, you know, I, I enjoy, I'm starting to become more enjoying enjoying in, of the uh, Major League Baseball draft. Um, but it's just something that doesn't get a lot of attention or talked about a lot. And until it's pretty much here, which the draft is Sunday the 17th is the first round. But wanted to bring uh, Dan Zielinski. Uh, you can see his stuff down at the bottom, the the BP Journal, and at Dan Zielinski 3. Um, if you want to find him on Twitter, um, the BP Journal is Baseball Prospect Journal. And, you know, Brewers are uh, have a dr- uh, draft pick coming up in, with their first round pick. And they could also be on the move to – bring some guys in to help the, the big league clubs. So talk a little bit about what they currently have in their farm system that could potentially uh, be on the move. So first of all, Dan, thank you so much for spending some time with me here this evening to talk some baseball in the MLB draft. Of course, Seven, thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you and catch up with you. Well, and I kind of want to get your thoughts. So ESPN and Major League Baseball, the MLB Network, they're – I would say over the probably the last five or so years, maybe less than five, they've really started to try to uh, stir up the attention to the MLB draft because I know the NFL, obviously the NFL draft it gets a lot of their attention because we talk about it pretty much year round. Right. And the NBA draft started too recently. Uh, why do you think the MLB draft isn't as a hot topic um, than the other two? It's a good question, and Major League Baseball has really kind of worked on over the last few years to try to increase the interest by moving it to All-Star Weekend. But I think the reason why it's not as popular is simply fans aren't watching high school, college baseball. Most most fans aren't watching, especially college or high school as well. So um, I think that plays a fat part of it is people just don't know who these guys are. And then once guys do get drafted, you don't see them for at least four or five years unless you're watching, following minor league baseball. So it's just it's hard to get excited about a guy that, you know, you might not see for five years down the line. So uh, it's just kind of a tough interest is growing, but it's still just it, it's never going to compete with the NFL or NBA. Yeah, I I, I kind of I want to say kind of I do agree with that. That's kind of my thought, too, because the NFL in college football, you see these guys all the time, every Saturday. So you kind of have an idea who these guys are. Right. And it's not as – and they're getting better at talking about these prospects because ESPN has a few guys on their baseball page uh, when you go to MLB, you know, as the draft's getting closer and whatnot. I know last year we talked a little bit about the Brewers farm system a little bit and my interpretation of it, and I don't think it's changed in a year, is they're bottom-heavy as in they have at uh, single A ball, Carolina, Wisconsin, and then double A Biloxi. They have a lot of potential there, but in the triple A level, they don't really have a lot there. Have, in your mind, has that improved at all? Or is it still kind of the same thing? I still think it's pretty much the same thing. Obviously, the Brewers have focused on drafting college guys the last three, four years. So, College guys are usually a little bit more advanced, so a lot of them are kind of sitting in double-A. You have Bryce Terang in triple-A, one of the Brewers' top prospects. But besides that, most of the talent is in single or double-A and at least one, maybe two years away. So the Brewers just don't have 
a ton of high end talent and all their kind of high potential guys are mostly at those lower levels and um, probably won't change obviously for another year or two once those guys move up a few levels. Yeah. Um, before we do jump into this year's draft, 2020 draft pick Garrett Mitchell um, has kind of stalled at double A. I don't know injuries have been an issue. Um, and now he's struggling again, coming back from injury. Um, it, do you see him uh, somebody that maybe just is a career minor leaguer or is he someone you think can take that next step? Because like I said, it looks like he's kind of stalled a little bit. Right, and I think he's definitely a guy who's going to get eventually a look in the major leagues for the Brewers or if he gets traded maybe this deadline or within the next year someone else. But right now he just really needs to kind of first improve his plate discipline. That's something that he was good at in college at UCLA, and right now at AA it just hasn't been the case for him. I know he's had some injuries like you mentioned, but that's really the key is he he isn't a huge power guy. He's more caught contact over or contact over power so when you're striking out 44 times in 119 at bats that's you're not gonna have a lot of success there so he's got to get back to just putting the ball in play hitting it hard gap to gap and going from there I think he still has some potential I think he is one of the Brewers better prospects right now but he definitely is kind of having a rough year so far and that's gonna obviously impact his trade value here come the trade deadline too yeah, it sounds like a couple of guys on the big league roster right now, like a Willie Adamas in particular. <laughs> he just, you know, strikes out or puts the ball over the fence. There's really nowhere in between. And last year, this time, he was just putting the ball on the play, and he was kind of the spark the offense needed. So some big league guys can take that advice as well. Um, one of the guys who's getting a lot of talk right now, because he got mentioned for the Brewers' future games and just got upgraded to their top prospect, and always just 18, so he's at least probably three years away. He's currently at single A, but Jackson uh, Chirio. Uh, Chir- Chir- um, what, what are your thoughts on him? Is he uh, as advertised in your opinion, um, or is he, you know, is it just hype until he gets into the upper levels? No, I, I like him a lot. I like Chirio a lot. I think he's definitely one of those guys that I said the Brewers don't have a lot of guys with a ton of high major elite kind of star potential. I think Chirio could be one of those guys. I also like Hedbert Perez, who has gotten some buzz, but he's kind of having a slow season so far. But Chirio, I really like him. I think he could be a five-tool guy. He's still really young. He's still probably two, three years away from the major leagues. So there's still a lot of time between now and then. But so far, the early returns on him are good. He's a guy the Brewers signed out of Venezuela and has really just produced overall in general. And guy who can hit for power, average, fast players well, steal some bases. And I think it's someone who you could probably see end up in center field long-term and be a starting caliber player for the Brewers but again we've seen this with the Brewers they have guys who have really good starts to pro careers and then kind of fizzle out Corey Ray really never got going but he had kind of high expectations coming into the farm system we just talked about Garrett Mitchell kind of got off to a hot start hasn't been the same this year so time will tell if he's a guy who can be a major league contributor but I think early on the early returns are positive and I think his makeup in terms of his tool set is also really positive as well. So I think Churio is a guy who uh, could really be a starting caliber player for the Brewers down the line. And the, the last year's first round pick, Sal Freelick, uh, drafted in the first round. 
the MLB.com prospect list has him projected at 2020, uh, 2024 at uh, going, be making it to the big league level. And then Joey Weimer is another guy that's gotten a lot of attention in the minors as a 2023 potential. Your quick in, uh, thoughts on that. And looking at their top prospects, their top four are all outfielders. Yeah, the Brewers have invested in outfielders a lot lately in the draft. And I think Sal Freelix, a guy who could even be in the major leagues by next year, he's playing really well this season. And his tool set kind of fits what the Brewers have targeted in the draft. He doesn't necessarily have a MVP caliber ceiling, but he has a, he is a guy who can be a starter at the major league level. I really like Freelick. He's kind of that scrappy player who does a lot of things really well. Doesn't hit for a ton of power, but – puts the ball in play, can steal some bases, play center field. Um, I really like him. Weimer is a guy who next year probably sounds about right. He hits kind of for power, and it's that's what he's known for and kind of really had a nice year last year to kind of rebound his status as a prospect. So I like Freelick over Weimer, but both guys I think could be around the corner for the Brewers. Yeah, Weimer, big guy, 6'5", 215, yeah. with the addition of the DH. Maybe he's a guy that can you Definitely. know get – DH in there too with that size. Um, you mentioned Bruce Terang. Uh, is he a guy you think is going to be on the major league roster this season, or do they hold off till next year, or does he get traded? That's a good question. I think he definitely could make the major league roster this year. I mean, he's only a step away at AAA, hitting 280 right now, and the Brewers they need a spark offensively, and frankly, probably could use someone either at third base contributing on occasion or in the outfield, even if it's kind of in a utility type role. So I think Bryce Terang, if he doesn't get traded, which I think could be a possibility if the Brewers are serious about contending this year, if they don't trade him, I would expect to see him at some point later in the season, September, maybe late August with the Brewers. I think he's got a good tool set. He was an advanced player coming out of high school in that draft class in 2018 Going into the year, he was considered potentially the top prep player in that draft class. Didn't have a great spring that year and kind of moved down the board to 21 where the Brewers drafted him. But he's got a really kind of balanced tool set. Again, a hit over power guy, but defensively he's solid. And Brewers have tried him at a few different positions as well just to kind of get him that versatility. So I think he'll be in the major leagues this year. So. MLB has him listed as a shortstop second base. You mentioned that they've tried him at a few different positions this year, mainly center field being one. Where do you see him fit in the major league level? That's a good question. Center field kind of surprised me for him, not saying he can't handle it, but I always saw him as an up the middle infield type guy, maybe a third baseman otherwise too. I think he's got the, the skill set to play those positions. Will he be a gold glover in center field? Probably not, but he definitely has the arm strength and athleticism to handle either a shortstop, second base, third base outfield. I think if we're talking about this year and he gets called up to the major league level, I think you'll see him play mostly center field or third base, just because that's kind of where the Brewers need the most help. Urias obviously was hurt early on, kind of inconsistent and the outfield with, Kane getting DFA'd and cut. They really haven't found that fourth, fifth guy they can count on consistently in the outfield. So I think he'd probably end up playing most of his time this year in center field and long-term be a utility guy who can kind of bounce around between positions. 
Yeah, kind of, you know, Tyrone Taylor, I guess, from what I saw, had a bit of a setback with his recovery yeah. from concussion. And coming into the year, he was supposed to be that fourth or that extra outfielder can play anywhere between him and McCutcheon, who's spending most of it was supposed to spend most of his, most of his time at DH, but that hasn't right. really came to fruition with all the injuries. So the Brewers, to me, they obviously didn't make some moves. And obviously people want to see the big sexy moves, which I personally don't feel they need to do, mainly because I don't think they need to be in a, a bidding war with your, your Yankees of the world um, for that type of prospect, the guy. I think they just need to make a couple of smaller moves like last year with Escobar, who could play first or third and pretty much anywhere in the infield, really. I think that's the type of move they need to make. Uh, is that kind of your thought, too, on this team? Or do you think they need to go out and make a huge move to make a huge splash if they want to push it? Because everybody I, wants to make the huge splash. but I, Everyone always wants a huge splash, and I've learned covering the Brewers. Mafia trade. <laughs> right. Covering and following the Brewer, Brewers, you learn they're not making the sexy move. They're not going after – like they didn't go after Freddie Freeman in the offseason. They're not going after that top guy in the trade deadline, A, because they can't afford his salary – Mark Antanasio has made it clear he's not going to push the payroll to high levels that they haven't been before. And the Brewers farm system, while they have some potential in it, it's not that great compared to other teams. So if, like you said, if they have to get in a bidding war for some of these top trade candidates, unless they want to sell out their entire farm system, they're yeah. probably not going to get them. So like you said, I, I think the smart play or the more realistic play in my mind is just going to get some pieces and hoping they continue their kind of hot first half of the season. And maybe that Hauser and Urias and maybe Tyrone Taylor kind of all come back and perform. So I like kind of these these guys that are rentals or kind of veteran players who are off to good starts and kind of come at a cheaper option as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget when they made that, I mentioned CC Sabathia, but when they made that Sabathia trade, you had, a, and he never panned out, but you had a high prospect in Laporta. Right. It's a, with Zach Cranky. You had Jeremy Jeffers, Cetus Escobar, Lorenzo Kane, uh, and then uh, Jake or doozy. Yeah, order was yep. Yeah, two of the four came back to Milwaukee eventually, and then with Christian Yelich again, you had high level prospects that you could move. Teams want high level prospects in return or MLB ready prospects in return for those type of names: the Yelich, the Sabathia, the the Granky. That's what they want, and the, you look at the Brewers AAA; they just don't have that at all. Right, and like. Could they trade from some of their pitching depth? Maybe their younger guys like an Ashby. Ethan Small is a guy who could get traded, but he's not a number one potential starter. He's more of a maybe a two, more likely a three type guy in a rotation. So do teams really want that, or would they rather get two real high-end prospects, or would they rather have five mid-tier, low-tier type guys? So the Brewers, like you said, they're not in a position like they were with Yelich or those other trades to – trade a couple high-level guys because they don't have them. And then the guys they do have that do have some potential, then their farm system is going to be one of the worst again. So Yeah. And the thing you don't want to do too, and the Brewers have been good at this, because I, I remember back, I think it was the year they acquired Yelich um, when Manny Machado was being shopped. Saw a lot of people saying they need, they need to trade Corbin Burns or 
and uh, Keston Hira, those guys for a guy like Manny Machado. And I know Hira's hitting better this year, still not where we were hoping, but Corbin sure. Burns has developed into one of the top pitchers, if not the top pitcher in baseball. When you're a team like Milwaukee, who traditionally has struggled to develop pitchers until recently, my yeah. my opinion has always been you you, you got to keep your pitching because you don't have the resources to spend the money like these other teams do on a Max Scherzer. So you really have to have pitchers develop and another group of pitchers ready to go because the reality of them being able to resign Woodworth right. and Burns is highly unlikely. So I don't want to turn pitching. So Ethan Small or Ashby or two um, and Kelly, a three that I tip, I t- really wouldn't want to trade because you got to start planning for when Corbin Burns is getting what whatever he's going to hit on the open market, and you, you, you're going to get into a bidding war with for him, and you don't want to do that. So I'm usually one that doesn't want to trade pitching unless absolutely necessary. That's usually my take. I totally agree, and like you said, it's going to be interesting with Burns, Woodruff, and Hader as well coming down the line in the next couple of years as free agents. The Brewers are going to have to make some tough decisions or try to afford all those guys and. Mark Antanasio hasn't shown a willingness to have a lot of top dollar free agents on his roster. So I'm with you. I hold on to, I would hold on to the pitching and try to trade a guy like a Bryce Terang. I'd consider trading a Garrett Mitchell, someone like that. Some, some of these guys they recently drafted who they, they have a lot of the same kind of type of player with self free, like Garrett Mitchell, even Tyler black, a second baseman. Like they're all, they're all guys who have high floors, some potential, but they're not going to be necessarily maybe superstar MVP caliber players. They're going to be regular everyday players who are going to contribute, but they're not they're not that marquee guy. So, and they all kind of do the same thing, hit average over power, solid defensively up the middle. Like I think you can afford to trade one or two of those guys and still feel good about your farm system at the end of the day. Do you have anybody that's just completely untouchable for you? Like if a team were to call you up and say, hey, we'll give you Josh Bell if you give us this guy. Is there a guy that's untouchable? Like you're just going to laugh and hang the phone up? No, I don't think so. I mean, Chirio would probably be the closest. Hedbert Perez also is another guy. I probably wouldn't rush to give up. Uh, The catcher as well for the Brewers, uh, Carrero, uh, is another guy I would consider keeping. But – to me, if the price is right, if you're getting a quality guy that you have team control of for maybe the next couple of years, I'd consider trading Torrio or Perez, but I'm not rushing to give those guys away. Those would be the last guys I would give away and definitely wouldn't give them away for a three-month rental either. Yeah, I could definitely, you know, like Torrio would, for me, Torrio would be one that's untouchable. Uh, Creo, you mentioned is one Perez. I like from what I've seen about him, mm-hmm. and then Antonio Kelly. I he's one again pitching. I don't want to get rid of pitching. And one position the Brewers seem to have a lot of depth in in the minor leagues is catching. So maybe they can move a uh, Mario Feliciano uh, in this trade cycle to try to you know package him uh, to bring somebody in. And Feliciano is one that has shown a lot of promise down in AAA, but he's obviously not quite ready to make the big jump to the the big show. That's probably what I would I would look at. Garrett Mitchell I would be willing to trade. As you said, he's kind of the same type of player as Freelick. I think Freelick has better upside personally than Mitchell, 
totally especially agree. with what Mitchell's shown uh, more recently. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm looking at. Ethan Small, I guess, could be had for the right guy. Um, but especially if Kelly develops, but that's kind of where I'm looking at with the farm system. Looking at the big league club, my opinion, they could use some middle bullpen pieces. Like right now, the only guys I trust out of the bullpen is your Boxberger, Williams, and your Hater. regardless of what happened today with Hater, Granted, he should have had at least one strikeout on the, on the first pit, uh, batter at the inning, but that's neither here yeah. nor there. Those three I trust. There's really nobody else in the bullpen I trust. So I think you need another bullpen arm or two. And I think you need a center fielder. Uh, Tyrone, Tyrone Taylor is not that guy. He is no. best served as your number four, number five outfielder. And the, uh, Davis had a nice catch today, but he doesn't offer you much at all, just like Lorenzo Cain wasn't offering you much. He's giving you basically the same thing Lorenzo Cain was giving you, pretty right. much. And I think you need to look for an upgrade there. Third base would be nice, but I trust Urias is going to uh, find, his, find his stroke eventually. And it might be nice to have an actual first baseman that could push or pl- platoon with ter- uh, Telez rather than Hira. But that's kind of where I'm looking if I'm the Brewers to try to upgrade their team, kind of in those areas. No, we're we're on the same page with that. I the the starting pitching doesn't necessarily worry me. I mean, Hauser's been bad, Lauer's been inconsistent, Peralta's hurt and wasn't great when he was healthy, but Peralta's gonna be back, and I trust that he'll be at least a quality starter. So I'm not too worried about the Brewers starters. And like you said, those three relievers, Hayter, Williams, and Boxberger, only ones I trust. And I think the Brewers have shown that they're always looking for kind of those bullpen pieces. It seems like the last few years they're always adding at least one bullpen. Unfortunately. (laughs) No, it did not work last year. That's that's the problem too, is these relievers, like they don't pitch a lot. And in a three month stretch, you might, get some duds and they got some duds last year and it cost them kind of in the the Cubs now, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I agree with you on the outfield. I think one guy that's intriguing once, once you get from the top kind of guys, like I don't see the Brewers trading for Reynolds from the pirates. I think he's going to cost way too much. Even if the the pirates want to trade him, which if I'm the pirates, I would need to get a big package for him simply because he is under team control for a few more years. So like, I don't see the Brewers getting that. So I think for the Brewers, you're kind of in that Andrew Benintendi, which is probably their best bet, Andrew Benintendi. And then you're in some guys who like a David Peralta from Arizona, like the options aren't great. You're hoping a guy performs above his kind of career levels or performs at an all-star level. So the options aren't great in my mind, but one guy that kind of intrigues me is Brandon Drury from the Reds. He's a utility player, played a lot of third base this year, but he's got experience playing all over the diamond. He probably won't be a, there's going to be suitors for him. So you're going to have to step up to the plate a little bit plus it's in division, but he would be kind of intriguing to me simply for the fact that he can play third base corner outfield spots and, even play first base or second base if need be. So uh, I I wouldn't shock me to see them go get a utility type player at the deadline either. Yeah, Drury's one that I'd be open to. Uh, the, the outfielder you said the uh, one from Kansas City. The problem you run into him is his price tag is going to go up because right. that's what the Yankees name mentioned in there, and they have one of the top farm systems 
which is kind of weird to say this. They have one of the top farm system and systems in baseball that we all know how they want to, you know, go for it every year. So now you're in a bidding war with a team like that. We don't really have the horses. So uh, I've, I can't think of the guy's name, but outfielder out in uh, Oakland is a, a guy I've heard uh name thrown out there as a possibility, but they just got to do better than Davis and Taylor personally. They just got to do better than those guys, in my opinion, much better. Yeah. yeah Ramon, Loriano is who you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, Loriano. Couldn't think of his name. Yeah, he's a guy who can play center field, has a little power, not a ton, but gets on base. And he isn't a sexy option by any means, but he's definitely better than putting Davis out there. Tyrone Taylor has shown glimpses, but he hasn't shown he can do it for a 50, 75 game stretch. So I'm I'm open to at least getting someone else in here and letting him compete for playing time and seeing what he can do because right now the Brewers need a spark offensively. Their offense is just way too inconsistent. Right now I don't view the Brewers as a World Series contender. I think they have too many question marks, mostly on the offensive side. I think the the pitching side will kind of get itself figured out with some of those starters and then if they add a bullpen piece or two. But the offense definitely worries me. I I wasn't impressed with – the off season with them only bringing in Renfro and McCutcheon while I like both of those guys and think they were decent additions. I would have liked to have seen them get a little bit more quality of a hitter, especially in free agency McCutcheon quality players still can produce, but he's not a difference maker. And that's kind of what the Brewers need. Yeah. Renfro looked like he could have been before he got hurt the first time. Right. He was finally starting to hit the bat ball. Well, hit it hard, hit it out the park. Then he got hurt, and then he wasn't quite back yet. Then he had to do the calf issue. We'll see how quickly he gets back uh, to where it was. He, last year, last May, they get a 194 hitter at the time, and Willie Adamez, who also became the spark because now all of a sudden Luis Urias is hitting the crap out of the baseball. Colton Wong comes off the IL, and he starts producing. Uh, big time. So they found that spark. And as you said, they just haven't found that spark yet. And I think the approach right now is too much of, well, Colton Wong's going to get it going. McCutcheon's going to get it going. Christian Yelich is going to be Yelich. And I think that that was the big reason why I don't think they 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 uh, really look to get a difference maker bat because their thing is, hey, if Christian Yelich can be the Christian Yelich, we know he can be. We already have that guy in house. So why get somebody right. else? But guess what? Yelich used to be a guy when he's on on base with the game on the line, two outs, bases loaded or whatever, and you that big hit, you turn the TV on, you want to see it, now you might as well just turn it off. And he's been much better as a leadoff guy. Yeah. But I like David Stearns, but I think that's just too much what the front office is pointing at is they're trying to, well, once this person XYZ gets it going, we got that piece already. And it hasn't happened in Yelich's case at all. Right. And Yelich, I think if the, if he could just be an all-star caliber player, the Brewers, I think, would take that because yeah. they are paying him decent money. But for some of the contracts post the Yelich signing of that contract, guys are getting paid a lot more money for MVP caliber players. So I think if he's an all-star caliber guy, that's more than enough. And he has been better in the leadoff spot. But after him, it's like Adamus, good, but sometimes he's streaky. And again, like you said, there's too many what ifs. So I think <laughs> I hate to bring up Mark Antanasio again, and you can tell I'm not the biggest fan of him. But like, if he's not willing to open up the 
the checkbook a little bit, it makes it hard to get a difference maker, even if it's a three-month rental in here as well. So I think that's Athanasio's thought, too, is that, hey, this is going to be Yelich's year that he comes back, and we're on year three of that now. It's just frustrating watching the Brewers because they finally have the pitching. They've got maybe the best pitcher in baseball in Burns. Woodruff, I really like, a bulldog on the mound. Lauer has shown promise. And Bowser has stretches where he dominates. Exactly. And as in the last month and a half, but he does. Yeah. And you've got two of the best relievers in baseball at the back of the bullpen. Like their pitching is maybe the best pitching staff or best kind of group of pitchers they've had in maybe forever in this franchise. Yeah. So like now's the time to go all in because when's the next time the Brewers are gonna have a Burns Woodruff? Hater Williams kind of combination on their staff. I don't may, maybe not for the foreseeable future after those guys kind of move on. Well, you know, good segue. You mentioned future. Good segue there. And you haven't even talked this year's draft yet, which the first round is Sunday. And the Brewers are picking 27th overall. You mentioned the last couple years has been more of looking college guy. Ethan Small, 2019 college pitcher, Garrett Mitchell. Um, 2020 college outfielder, Sal Freelich, 21, a college uh, outfielder, Tyler Black, 21, college infielder, second baseman. Uh, they haven't gone uh, high school in the first round since 2018, and that's Bruce Terang. Before that, uh, before Terang, and then this, they drafted him 34th overall, but Tristan Lutz, who I don't even know if he's in the organization anymore. You had Keston Hero, college guy in 2017. Corey Ray, college guy in 2016. 2015, a college guy. So other than Trent Grisham at the time named Trent Clark in 2015, and then Lutz and Terang in 17-18, they've, the last several years, have really been looking the college route for guys. Um, I think I've asked this last year. I'm going to ask it again. What's the biggest advantage of going college in the first round over a high school guy? I think just the overall success rate of those guys making the major leagues. If you look across baseball, and I was talking with an agent about this earlier in the year, a high percentage of the guys on opening day rosters this year were, if they were drafted, were from the college ranks. So teams tend to kind of prefer that. Obviously, some teams have their own models where they prefer high school guys, but the Brewers have shown they prefer the college route and most likely probably because of the success rate. You know what those guys, a little bit more about them. They're a little bit more physically mature, so there's not as much growing and kind of potential dreaming on that. So you know what you're getting. You've seen them against higher levels of competition. Some of them have competed in the Cape Cod League, which is a wood bat summer league. So you've seen them with a wood bat. So there's just more information on college guys. And the Brewers have tended to go kind of the safer route and go go the college route in the last four years. I'm sure signability is a factor in that too, especially when you get into the, the, the 20 range. A lot of the high school guys are hoping to go top five, top 10, where there's more money. And if you go in that 20s, maybe they decide to go to college for a couple of years, re-enter the draft, and maybe they go top five. And I'm sure that plays a big role as well. Right. And those premium high school guys, like you said, they all go early in the draft. Obviously, there's still some later in the first round, early second, maybe the third round. But those guys want to get paid. And typically, if they're not going 
early in the first round or in the first round in general, some of them tend to go to college and hope to try their luck in two, three years. So it's, it's partly that as well. And I think the Brewers just have a philosophy that they prefer college guys and must really like that kind of Avenue. Because even if you look at the Brewers later rounds, second, third, fourth, fifth rounds, it's usually all college guys as well. So they don't take a lot of chances, even on some of those college guys who maybe have a couple question marks, they tend to play it safe, which is partly why the reason the Brewers don't have any of those premium level prospects like we were talking about earlier. So the draft first round of the draft is Sunday Brewers pick 27th overall. What, what are some names Brewer fans should get to know uh, between now and Sunday you know, some guys, some options, um, people, guys, you're mocking the Milwaukee or some of your colleagues in the theater uh, mock drafting the Milwaukee or just names you've heard brought up. Who are some guys that Brewer fans should get to know? Sure. I'll give you a few names here. All college guys for that matter, matter. but Chase DeLauder, he's an outfielder from James Madison. He's a guy coming into the year. Scouts really thought he could be a top 10 pick. He had a knee injury in April sliding into second base and hasn't played since. So that didn't necessarily help his draft stock. He also had a tough series against Florida state early on this year against their really quality pitching staff. And that kind of worried scouts too, because he doesn't play being at James Madison against high end pitchers on a daily basis. So when he got that opportunity early on this year against Florida state and just kind of had so, so results, Scouts were kind of up in the air on, well, is this really that premium top 10 type player? But he's definitely a guy that's been linked to the Brewers. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, a left-handed hitter, five-tool potential, someone I think can stick in center field long-term. And he did hit 437 this year, but like I said, shortened season, so-so results against the Florida State pitching staff that has multiple guys that are going to get picked early. So he's a name that uh, is getting interest from the Brewers. Another name is Dylan Beavers. He's an outfielder from Cal, and he's another guy with five-tool potential, 6'4", 206, left-handed hitter. Probably could handle center field long-term, but I think he's more better suited in right field. Someone who hits for power, hits for some average, really just overall does a lot. A lot of things you want on the baseball field, and he kind of fits that Brewers model as well as kind of a higher floor um, has a good ceiling, but not definitely um, as good as uh, DeLauders as well. And then a couple more names for you, Evan is Drew Gilbert, the outfielder from Tennessee. He's kind of an intriguing guy because Tennessee obviously was a loaded team this year in college baseball. One dominated the regular season, got knocked out in postseason play, but Drew Gilbert is more of a four-tool player. He doesn't necessarily hit for a ton of power, but he's kind of that spark plug guy at the top of a lineup and hits for a lot of average, hits for power. Teams really like being around him because of his kind of makeup, his energy he brings to the field. So he's another guy who um, I could see the Brewers picking as well. And then a pitcher kind of drawing some interest from the Brewers, even though I think they probably are leaning towards a college position player is Gabriel Hughes, right-handed pitcher from Gonzaga. I really like his combination of size and pitch mix, mid to high 90s fastball, throwing 
uh, pretty easily for a guy who's 6'4", 220, and wipeout slider as well. I think I really like his potential. I think he could be a number one for sure, probably a number two in the major leagues if he fully develops how scouts project him to. So those are just some names that are kind of drawing some interest from the Brewers. And guys, I think would all be quality picks there. I know I've talked to all those players I mentioned throughout the year, did stories on them from my website and all good makeup as well. And scouts kind of really like um, what they bring to the table. I wonder what Corbin Burns would think um, them drafting a Gonzaga guy though. He might be a little mad about that. (laughs) And being a St. Mary's guy Um, draft overall. And Obviously, I think MLB draft more than any other draft is a crapshoot more than right. uh, any other just because there's so much that goes in the development of these players. The first pick of the draft, a lot of names have been thrown around. Who do you think goes number one overall? That's a good question because Baltimore Orioles the last couple of years have been known to take a kind of a below slot guy, sign them for cheaper than what the signing bonus projected value is for that pick and then use that money later in the draft. And right now it really seems like the Orioles are between a handful, maybe three high school guys. The most notable is Drew Jones, a high school outfielder from Georgia. He's the son of former major league center fielder, Andrew Jones. And he's really just kind of a similar player to what Andrew Jones was five tool potential, fast hits for power hits for average definitely will play center field long term could be a gold glover in center field which is <laughs> no surprise with his dad but he's a guy who coming into the year was kind of below the guys of jackson holiday who's a prep shortstop from oklahoma son of matt holiday former major leaguer elijah green as well was another guy in the mix as the number one overall prospect coming into the year um prep outfielder from florida but drew jones surpassed both those guys and really has kind of solidified himself as a top prospect. And I think the Orioles probably end up going that way. It's going to come down to a couple of things. First, it's going to be about money. Whoever the Orioles feel like is willing to take a little bit less than that projected value or slot value for the number one overall pick. And as well as kind of who, uh, the Orioles like the best, but I think Drew Jones, the consensus from the scouts I talked to is that Drew Jones is the best player in this year's draft, and I think that's probably the way they go come Sunday. So with the MLB draft now, I know they shrunk it down. It used to be like 800 rounds, not quite, (laughs) but it was a lot of rounds. And now, from my understanding, you can, uh, I think the last couple years now, you've been able to trade draft picks. Is that something you see happening more frequently now that you can do it, or is it still something teams don't do? Yeah, so to clarify that a little bit, right now you can only trade the competitive balance picks that are in the draft, and there's competitive balance A round and competitive balance B round, and there's, I want to say, 10 or so of those picks each draft, and Major League Baseball awards them to teams that are low-revenue teams, so the Brewers have one this year. They have had one the last few years as well, and Major League Baseball allows you to trade those picks. We saw the Royals trade their pick a couple days ago to the Atlanta Braves and got a couple prospects back. But it's funny you mention it because 
that was one of the discussion points in this last collective bargaining agreement and both sides just couldn't agree to it. But I think I understand why major league baseball doesn't do it. Part of it is just, it's a crap shoot. And I think they're trying to protect those teams that are losing year after year and making sure they get an early pick so they can try to infuse their, their farm system with some talent. But I think it would add a lot of intrigue to the draft. I can, I can just picture a team like the Yankees, let's say, trading their first, second, third pick or something like that and moving up into the top five. I just think there would be a lot more excitement with that. We'll see if that comes down the line, but um, baseball is definitely trying to find ways to bring more interest to the draft, so maybe in the future. Yeah, and I I guess that did mean the competitive balance and does add some intrigue to it a little bit, which – I guess we'll see if they decide to expand on that, which you'll probably have to wait till the next CBA, I'm guessing, to do that. So um, do you want to thank you for coming on. Uh, if you want to quickly let listeners and viewers, because I do podcast this as well on anywhere podcasts are found, probably later tonight or tomorrow morning, the audio version will be out. The video version will be on all my socials uh, um, all over like now pretty much forever. But if you want to let the listeners and the viewers know how they can check out your work, you talked about your website before. For sure. Yes. You can find all my draft content at baseballprospectjournal.com. And I've been covering the draft. I want to say this is my seventh year now. And oh, it's have, been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Interviewed 77 of the top prospects this year, wrote in-depth feature stories on all 77 of those guys. So you can find them at baseballprospectjournal.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter as well at danzelinski 3 or the BP Journal. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining. And I'm excited to see what the uh, what the Brewers do in the, the draft this year, see if they go college outfielder again, which would be like, what, the third – fourth year a third year in a row you yep. going back to 2020 or do they go a pitcher or do they go you know another position player we'll see i think corner and field is a a big need in the brewer system personally but you know i don't know what the corner out corner infield market looks like uh plus they always seem to like to draft shortstops or center fielders and go from there probably the more athletic guys i'm guessing right yeah they definitely have a preference on the up the middle type players because part of it is just their athleticism and potential moving forward, but they can also move them off those positions to corner spots. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to have another talking sports with Evan next week, talking the all-star break, uh, talk about the, uh, you know, like the different all-star games on some of the, you know, best ones out there, which I still think baseball, even with the, the tie 20, Years ago, I still think baseball is one of the best, in my opinion, with the whole weekend. But with that, thank you so much, and we will talk to you all later. Have a good night, everybody.